I'm Julie Hyde, and I believe you can't be a leader of others until you are a leader of self. It all starts with leading you. So if you are ready to be the best leader that you can be, you're in the right place. I'll be chatting to a diverse range of leaders who will spill the beans on their leadership, how they changed the game, insights into their mindset, and how they built the courage and resilience to be a modern leader with impact. Let's get into it. With me today is the amazing Shelley Horton. She is a journalist, TV presenter, keynote speaker, MC, runs her own company, Shellshock Media, and is an out and proud Perry warrior and incredible human. <laughs> Shelley has been a longtime advocate for women's health, including publicly speaking up to destigmatized topics such as women's Choice to be child-free, I'm with you on that one, mm-hmm. PCOS, a dense breast depression and perimenopause. Now, she's an ambassador for the National Breast Cancer Foundation to Good, Pink Hope and Her Mental Health. She's also a member of the International Menopause Society and she has way too much going on to let perimenopause get in the way. <laughs> So welcome, Shelley. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> if you want something done, you give it to a busy woman. I haven't got time for these peri symptoms. God, me either. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. So, so keen to get into our chat because it's such it's such an important chat. And I want to start with my first fabulous question, which is, <laughs> if you were leader of the world for a day, what would you change and why? Okay, I love this question so much that I'm completely going to change it. So it's not going to be if I'm leader of the world, but if I had magical powers that could affect the entire world, what I would do is for one week I would give every man perimenopause. So I want them to experience the hot flushes, the insomnia, the night sweats, the weight gain around the middle, the you know anxiety and depression just for one week because I think if they actually experienced it, then the entire stigma around perimenopause and menopause would go and all of a sudden there'd be more funding for research and how to help the symptoms. I've actually got this idea for a documentary, which I should keep to myself, but, hey, we're among friends. I want to call it Manopause and basically do exactly that. I want in the UK they've got a heat vest that they've been putting on some of the politicians to simulate hot flushes. But I want to go one step further. I want to have the night sweats at night. So have an electric blanket that gets turned up to 10, you know, six times a night. I would like to do something like put a bit of a fat suit around their middle so they know what it's like when you've had a certain body type type your whole life and then all of a sudden it changes. I would love to do something where I inject them with a drug so they get brain fog, but apparently that's not very legal. So I might have to draw the line. Uh, I don't think that part of the documentary would be approved. But I think by doing something like that, we would get an incredible amount of understanding and empathy and also just break down the fact that there has been so much silence for so long. 100%. Oh, my God. I love that. 
So it's nothing like first-hand experience to get people to understand what you are going through and yeah. those bloody symptoms just as you're explaining them. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> I know. So um, now we're talking about a topic that is very close to your heart, yeah. um, which is the perimenopause. So can you share a bit? Of- Did you say menopause? No. Perimenopause. I swear you said that. You have to leave that bit in. I mean, my name is Shelley Horton, so I have whore in my name. My God, maybe I said that. That is fantastic. That is my favourite moment. That that needs to be in the promo. <laughs> so anyway, perimenopause. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to use it from now on. I'm going to steal it. Perfect. Maybe that could be the name of the doco instead of menopause is perimenopause. Back to the question is, yes, I am absolutely passionate about perimenopause, which sounds like a very strange thing to be passionate about, Mm -hmm. but it hit me when I was 46 and I'm turning 50 this year and I had never heard the word perimenopause. Mm. And, you know, I'm a journo, I do women's health stories and I had never heard of it. I thought menopause was, you know, you're in your 60s and your period stops and you have some hot flushes and that's it. How wrong I was. Mm. So unfortunately for me, um, my main symptom with my perimenopause is depression and anxiety. And I have never, ever had mental health issues before in my life. So it sideswiped me. It basically, you know, took my feet out from underneath me and I would cry every day. But the thing that I find with perimenopause and perimenopause symptoms, so, you know, the main symptoms are your hot flushes, the anxiety and depression, brain fog, night sweats, insomnia, aches and pains, that sort of thing. Just about all of these symptoms you can pass off as something else. You know, uh, I thought I was having hot flushes just because I'd put on some COVID kilos, you know, like I'm like, oh, mm. yeah, put on a bit of weight. And then the depression, I was like, I'm I'm just stressed about my business not coping during COVID. You know, like mm. it was so easy for me to brush it to the side. And what I think is women tend to do that. They put themselves last anyway. You know, everyone else comes first. And then if they've got time after all of that, they might see a doctor. But I ended up having almost six months before I spoke to a GP about all of these symptoms. And the only reason that I did see a GP is because after using an IUD, which for the blokes out there is a form of contraceptive, I hadn't had a period in 12 years. So I I loved my life. I loved not having a period. And then all of a sudden it came back with a vengeance. Like we're talking crime scene kind of of stuff. And so that shocked me into, oh, and again, I went, oh, geez, I'm more stressed than I thought if I've got my period back. And I went to the doctor and it was only then that I got some information about Uh, perimenopause but not really much and not every GP is informed about perimenopause and menopause in fact in the 10 years that GPs study to become doctors they only do one hour on menopause one hour now it's 52 percent of the population go through it if they live long enough that in itself has to change yeah so I was doing my regular work on Channel 9, but 
I could fake it. Like I'm, I'm pretty good of like rallying when I have to. Mm. But then what would happen is I'd rally, I'd do my spot on TV, which is very stressful. I'm, you know, I'm debating seven topics live on TV over a 20-minute period against, a, you know, someone like Ben Fordham or an incredibly intelligent journalist. And I'd do it and then I'd cry the whole way home in the car and just go, oh, I've just, I may as well quit before they fire me because I just embarrassed myself in front of the entire nation. So this negative self-talk that comes with that peri-anxiety and depression, it nearly had me walking away from a brilliant career that I love in journalism. And so when that happened, I finally got my friend Dr. Jenny Mansberg because this is what you need to understand. So Dr. Jenny Mansberg is basically the oracle when it comes to perimenopause and menopause. But I've never wanted her to be my GP because, you know, I drink wine with her. I don't want her to have seen my vajayjay. So (laughs) it's it's a fair rule, right? (laughs) It's a fair rule. Uh, You may have to put a warning on this podcast (laughs) for your listeners. But anyway, um, and then finally I just wasn't having much joy with the doctors I was seeing. So Mm. my husband said, oh, for Christ's sake, can you go and see Ginny? Yeah. So I went to see Jenny and she's like, babe, why didn't you talk to me about this? And I said, well, that's part of it is the stigma and the shame. Mm. I, I didn't know how to talk about it. When I confessed to my mother that I had really quite severe perimenopausal depression but that I was seeing Dr. Ginny and I was seeing a psychiatrist and my husband was supportive and I was doing all the right things, her yeah. response was chin up. Because that's her generation. They Mm. did not speak about it. They just soldiered on. And so once I actually got onto HRT and some antidepressants, so I I needed both at that stage, which I'm sure was because I left it for nine months, uh, I was back, baby. I was back to me and I was like, why the hell did I just lose nine months of my life and my career because of something that no one spoke about. So that turned it into a real sense of purpose and passion for me. My gosh, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I do completely resonate with parts of it. And I find it so alarming that you thought about quitting your career because you were feeling that way and that so many women do. That really explains, that that could explain for many what is going out on out there in the workplace because we are losing way too many women. Well, that's why I was so excited to come on your podcast because this is reaching leaders who are probably dealing with women of that age group, that 45 to 55 age bracket. Now, the stats that we've got are from the UK, but it shows that 10% of women in that age group quit their job. Now, it doesn't mean that they retire, but they might, like Ginny had someone come into her surgery and she was a lawyer and she quit her job and became a receptionist at a dentist because she just didn't want the pressure anymore. Now, the thing is, once Ginny got her onto the right medication, she was like, what did I just do? But before that, people didn't know. So 10% quit their jobs then it's 
uh, 14% actually asked to go part-time. Uh, and a lot of women are saying that's because they're part of that sandwich generation at that age. So they've probably got kids they're looking after and elderly parents. So the thing that can budge is you can't get rid of either of those, but you can cut back on your hours. And then it's uh, another 8% actively don't go for a promotion or ask for a demotion. Now, these are our thought leaders. These are our incredibly experienced, vital mentors that are in our workplaces. So to me, it is vital that leaders and workplaces realise how important it is to manage perimenopause and menopause. So it's because of that that Dr Ginny and I created Don't Sweat It, which is an online program that basically makes workplaces menopause friendly. And it can be some simple changes and things that will just make women feel valued and more comfortable. Yes, yes, I yes. that. And how good is it to find a great GP? Yes, but that's, it's hard. It's hard. But once you do, it's like, life-changing. So I, I've got that at the moment with um, a psychiatrist I'm seeing. So I've seen a few a few people, but then so I was part of the very first parliamentary roundtable on menopause um, a couple of months ago. So we had about seven of Australia's best experts on menopause and me, <laughs> and I was the one sharing my story. But one of them was Professor uh, Jayshree Kalkani, who is from Her Mental Health, which is why I'm now an ambassador. And she specialises in perimenopausal depression because it's not the same as regular depression because it's not situational, it's your hormones. So it's just a, it's a chemical imbalance. I had one one-hour session with her and basically went, oh, okay, I'm fixed. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Of course, I now am, have to change all of my medication. So I'm not fixed. It's, it's just something that we'll have to work with. But when you connect with someone who has your back, who is very informed and can empathize and understand what you're going through, it's a game changer. 100%. When I finally found my solution, which was the HRT as well, that was a massive game changer for me because I got really angry, like angry, like anger, like kick the vacuum for no reason, glasses flying across the room. It's just like, what is going on with me? I'm, I'm not. Again, probably shouldn't tell this story, but I'm going to. <laughs> so I was going into Channel 9 and I would often get hot flushes right before I go on stage, on, on you know, in the studio. And so I'd be like, oh, my God. But it was just my body didn't know the difference between good stress and bad stress. That's all it was. Anyway, I don't get that stressed. I'd normally go on, debate whoever. And then one day, I at the very last minute after my hair and makeup's done and everything, uh, they said, oh, by the way, Ben Fordham's not coming in today. You'll be debating Liz Hayes from 60 Minutes. And I'm like, <laughs> so hot flush. Anyway, the great story is I was like just fanning myself with my script and I said, Liz, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm having a hot flush. And she's like, oh, doll, I'm so glad I'm through that. She said, but did you get the rage? 
And I'm like, I haven't, I haven't had the rage yet. And she's like, oh my God, I had the rage. And she said, I can tell you there was one time I went in to fill up my car with petrol and this young, arrogant twat pulled in behind me with his sports car with the roof down. And I came back in from paying and I got in the car and I was getting organized and he honked his horn at me to hurry me up. He said, well, I got out of my car, I stormed over and I yelled at this twat and she said, and then I stormed back to my car, got in, drove away and just went, what just happened? (laughs) And I'm like, Liz, I would pay a lot of money for that CCTV vision. And, And even her sharing that story with me made me feel like, a kindred spirit and that we'd both be okay and it it's this is the power of storytelling this is how women share and you don't feel alone so you and Liz Hayes you are the same (laughs) thank god there's someone else out there (laughs) like me and it's Liz I love it now you mentioned some really powerful stats before too because I'm generation x we're said to comprise of 36% of the global workforce and 51% in leadership positions, which is interesting. I'm not sure of the gender split, but that's a huge number of women who will experience perimenopause and menopause. Yes. So now you mentioned your um, don't sweat it. How do we just get better at this in the workplace where we have the audience, um, is it providing, like, I don't know, how do we, how, just how do we do it? So this is, this is where I try to break it down for leaders and, and bosses. Basically, you need to start looking at menopause at work the same way you looked at mental health issues at work. So 10 years ago, no one was talking about it. People were suffering and they were keeping quiet because of the shame and stigma. It's taken a long time, but now we have Are You Okay Day and we have, you know, really fantastic systems in place to support people and there's you're no longer afraid to say, I have to take a mental health day. We need that same thing for perimenopause and menopause. So you need a, a multiple-pronged approach. So Dr Ginny and I talk about, so you need some of the very easy things which might be, you know, giving everyone a, a, a fan from their desk or making sure that you can be in control of the aircon where you are. Or it might be just, you know, being more flexible about working from home. Like things like that are easy. We controversially do not support menopause leave. Now, menopause leave is 12 days a year. The unions are, are campaigning for it at the moment and we could not be more against it. And our reasoning for that is it's not a cyclical problem. It's not like a period. It's 24-7, 365 days a year. So I'm sorry, 12 days off isn't actually going to be helpful. And to me, workplaces that go, oh, we've got menopause leave, tick, we've solved that problem, they're copping out. They're not actually addressing the issue. So what you need is you need a menopause workplace policy so that you actually get serious about it so you have systems in place. You need to look at some of the physical things, even things like if you have your staff wearing a uniform, make sure that that uniform is a breathable fabric. Like there's so many of those polyester uniforms that I think, oh, my 
God, I would combust if I had to wear that. Um, And then the thing is, it's also about supporting each other and being able to talk about it. So we, we say the important thing about our online course is it's for all genders because we don't want to just educate the women and then they keep it to themselves. We need men to know about it. And, you know, obviously all genders. So by doing that, we take away some of the stigma. We educate people how to have those difficult conversations, just like we needed to be educated about how to have a conversation about someone's mental health. It's it's about having that empathy and understanding and doing more listening than talking. So all of those things combined, uh, Dr. Ginny is also uh, providing executive menopause health checks because we know when you get to that top tier when you're in the C-suite, then they care about your health because they want to keep you, you know, on billable hours. <laughs> but most of those executive health checks don't include include perimenopause or menopause checks. And that is actually the main check that women of that age group need. Um, and then what we've done as well, because we're suckers for punishment, we have started running retreats. So we've got our first one coming up in June. And that's not for workers at the moment. That's for just women who go, I need a crash course in uh, peri and menopause. And we just so happen to be having it on Hamilton Island and plan to drink a lot of cocktails, which goes against the research for hot flushes, but I don't care. They're going to be in the middle of winter on an island. I will have hot flushes as long as I can have my Aperol spritzes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, so what we need workplaces to do is look at it as a 360 issue. If I flip it, as well as I want them to have empathy and I want them to understand, look at your bottom dollar. Look at the bottom line. It costs you money to replace these very experienced women. It costs you money if they have extended sick leave or if they ask for a demotion. Like it actually makes sense for you to invest in these women more than it does to invest in sending a 30-year-old on a leadership um, course. These are the women you want to keep and you need to make sure that you can retain the staff because we know how much it costs to replace them. Every time you replace someone, you end up spending their salary plus 30%. Yeah, exactly. Ding, ding, ding. It makes sense. It does make sense. So it makes business sense, but also makes people sense. I mean, yeah, and it's such a shame that we have to talk profit, but unfortunately that's what some people hear. I'm happy to talk profit if it gets people across the line and helps women. Yeah, yeah. So I love that, the 360 approach, and also the fact that you're um, really passionate about educating men as well because that's going to help them at home. I know. So some of the feedback we've had, uh, we've had some great, like great feedback, but some of my favourite feedback was from, I was a guy who ran a legal firm and he sent us an email and just said, can I say thank you for the Don't Sweat It program? Not only has it helped me manage some of the partners and understand what they're going through, but my wife was going through it and didn't even know what was happening. So he's like, you've helped me at home. Then we had another um, another guy write in from hospitality industry and he's like, ladies, I'm a gay man, never seen a vagina, so <laughs> didn't know how to deal with any of this. And now he's like, you women need a hug. 
You know, it was it was such a lovely email. And then we had a 26-year-old girl write to us and say, oh, my God, I've, I've just done your course and now I realise I've been such a bitch to my mum and now I know what she's going through. So there is such a ripple effect that I think Gen X can actually smooth the path for everyone coming behind us. Absolutely. We could be the role models forward. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so what do you encourage women to do if they are struggling? Like if they're just some people won't know what's going on, some yeah. people will, what do they do? First of all, talk to your friends about it. Um, in my case, because I moved away from home as soon as I finished year 12 and then basically, you know, have not been around my school friends, most of my friends are younger than me which, you know, says a lot about my maturity, but <laughs> I didn't have many friends who were going through perimenopause at the same time as me. But once you start talking about it, other women will chime in. So I would definitely start being open to talking about it. The next thing is to find a good GP. And I'm telling you now, it's not easy, but it's worth the struggle. We recommend that you go to the Australasian Menopause Society's um, website which is menopause.org.au and if you go onto their site they have a find a, a doctor drop down you put in your postcode and doctors who have an interest in perimenopause and menopause or have done extra study in that area are listed there so you know you're not going to go and see a doctor who says something like oh, no, you're too young for perimenopause or, oh, I'll send you off for a blood test. We know blood tests are useless because your hormones change every day. So you need people who are up to date and, and that may take a bit of trial and effort, effort. I'm on the Gold Coast. I'm based on the Gold Coast now and I still haven't found a GP that I'm happy with up here. So I've been using telehealth because that's another option. They may not be right near you, but if if you just want to see your GP for, you know, your flu injections and stuff like that, great. But when it comes to your perimenopause and menopause, make sure you're seeing someone who is an expert. So that's really vital. So talk, make sure that you get a good GP because the symptoms are so varied and every woman has has different um, symptoms and and some people may, may sail through. Mm. I do kind of want to punch them in the throat, but <laughs> I probably should be more supportive. <laughs> Don't tell me about sailing through it, but good on you. But so, no, but like some women, it might be just the weight gain that they hate. Some women, it's the hot flushes. You know, some women, it's like, I I have a funny story. My One of my girlfriends who uh, has a staff of 14 and she was presenting to the staff and then she had to get her executive assistant to stand up and she couldn't remember her name because she had brain fog and so she pretended to faint because she said the only way to recover from that was for them to be concerned about her, her medical safety <laughs> so we don't want people having to pretend to faint to cover up our brain fog so to oh, combat that i know right yes. this is what women do we will we are very uh resourceful then, of course, plugging my own course, but uh, get the workplace on board. And there are a lot of courses out there, but they are not evidence-driven. 
Dr. Ginny Mansberg will not promote anything that is not evidence-based. So when I joined forces with her, that took away all of my options of, you know, herbal remedies and things like that because there's no science behind them. Ginny in her book and in the course goes through some of the herbal remedies that might have some evidence and goes, spend your money on them, don't spend them on something from Goop, from Gwyneth Paltrow, you know. Because I also think women at this age are a bit vulnerable. If they're not feeling great and they think they can just buy something online and not have to talk about it, then they might use that option, which is actually just fleecing them, which is just so unfair. And I really want to campaign for that not to happen. And then so that's what women can do. And then what we've been doing behind the scenes is really being health advocates in parliament and saying we need more money in the budget for women's health, we need more training for GPs, we need more evidence, so therefore we need more trials, and we need education that will empower women to be able to make their own, their, the correct choices without the symptoms getting in the way. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, Shelley. Great tips for women to take on board, especially if they're struggling, don't know why, and um, don't know where to go. So thank you for being part of the podcast today. And thank you for just leading the way with this conversation and for normalizing it for so many women, something that was taboo and not to be spoken about, to be something that's just really embraced, hopefully starting to be more embraced. It is. Oprah just did a special on it. You know, Naomi Watts is, you know, has led the way. Naomi Watts went into perimenopause at 34. So, you know, like there are so many incredible celebrity voices that are out there and that's what helps break through the stigma so that everyday, you know, regular folk can talk about it and feel comfortable. Um, and I'm very disappointed because I listen to your podcast and I know they're about 25 minutes, but I want to talk to you for another hour. So <laughs> can we maybe have an up late version? <laughs> it sounds great to me because I love talking to you too. <laughs> it's been brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. So thanks so much, Shelley. 